talked about Roger Williams and some of the early um, settlements in the New World and how that it really it really wasn't like most of us think it was that everybody that came to America was for religious liberty and freedom and and it's been that way all the way through well it hasn't been that way and um in the early 1600s uh, there were basically four great settlements in New England there was Plymouth there was Massachusetts Bay there was Hartford and there was Providence the Providence is the one that um Roger Williams was instrumental in in founding and we read the the Providence um compact last week that they said we are compacting together to follow these laws only in civil things they said it's not we are setting up a colony that uh, we are coming under these laws in civil matters but not in spiritual matters we're we're giving religious liberty we are not going to establish a a um colony church it wouldn't be a state church then but uh, a colony church well in Boston in particular, the Boston Court of Deputies made anabaptism or rebaptizing a crime. And um, they even carried it this far that if you rejected certain um, Calvinist doctrines, that it was also a crime. There were, there were major uh, heavy-handed things going on. And one of the uh, preachers that was banished from from Massachusetts was a man by the name of Wheelwright, and he was banished because of his opinions about how a person could know that he was saved. Um, they were because the Bible was uh, becoming accessible. People were starting to study the Bible and. In their study of the Bible, they understood that it's by faith in Jesus Christ alone, and he that has the Son has life, and he that does not does not have life. And, and it became known, that teaching became known as experimental religion, meaning that you could know personally, or this is where really the term, the biblical term, uh, became more common, but that you were being born again, that you were born again. And incredibly, the Boston court deemed it illegal to believe this or to teach or preach it. And uh, John Wheelwright, after refusing to stop preaching this, was disenfranchised, disarmed, and banished, um, meaning he couldn't buy or sell in Massachusetts. They disarmed him. What does that mean? Took his guns, okay. Um, 
We may get around to that later here. And they banished him. Now, if this is, again, remember, this is not like if they banished you from Sheraton. Well, there's a lot of other places you can go live. There weren't a lot of other places that that he could go, but um, he ended up being led of God to Providence with with Roger Wilson, uh, Roger Williams, and um, and God provided and led. But see, the basic things that we take for granted for preaching salvation by faith in Jesus Christ alone and knowing it, they were considered criminals for being baptized by immersion following salvation. They were considered criminals and were disenfranchised, disarmed, and and banished. Well, in the midst of all this, and and it was major controversy, uh, there was a, a man by the name of Dr. John Clark who arrived in Boston. Um, he had since the dangers there, he, he came over from, from England. And um, shortly after he arrived, because of the same thing that um, John Wheelwright, uh, the Boston court ordered 76 men to be disarmed because of their belief like John Wheelwright. Well, this just drew... Dr. John Clark into action. And, uh, you know, it's amazing how God raises up leaders. And uh, Dr. John Clark um, soon became the leader of the banished, of the disarmed, and the disfranchised. And uh, he, some called him the Moses of, uh, of this time. And he suggested that all these people would move for the sake of peace. And um, before blood was shed, 18 families um, moved to New Hampshire in the winter of 1637 and 1638. They had hoped to go to Delaware, but um, they they never made it. They went around um, Cape Cod and they sailed into... Uh, a bay, and ended up in a in a lodge because of the kindness of again Roger Williams. Again, how God raised up and prepared one man, and how God used him. Well, uh, these banished believers from Boston, banished believers for the three B's, huh? Um, Received assurance that uh, in the Plymouth Island that they would be out of the danger of the Puritans. Remember, the Puritans were very loyal to the Church of England. They wanted to purify it, but they were very antagonistic to anyone that believed as we believe. And uh, to the pilgrims as well. And... uh, Due to Roger Williams' friendship and, uh, and acquaintances with the Indians. And why was he a friend of the Indians? Do you remember? What motivated that? 
evangelism. He, he wanted to see them saved. He wanted to bring the gospel to them. And so he went out of his way to get to know them. And because of that, they were able to purchase, um, purchase land. And uh, they, um, it ended up uh, in their purchase that they signed the first um, in this setting up. Just giving you a brief history here. Dr. John Clark set up the um, Portsmouth Compact which was the first document in history that severed both political, in, in the American history, that severed both political ties to England and, more importantly, religious ties to England. This was the first one that, that established that. And Dr. John Clark, we may, often we don't realize it, his... Um, his thinking process was instrumental in laying the foundation for what we know as our Constitution. In, in his setting up the, the Constitution, which um, came to be Rhode Island, and uh, our national Constitution got many of their ideas from that, and uh, it all came because of study of Scripture. But persecution brought these together. They moved to another area. And then they went back to the Scriptures. And in the Scriptures, they said, we need to establish a liberty of conscience. We need to establish um, the reality of this. And at that time... Four key documents in America's history. The Mayflower Compact, which um, we, we looked at, and that's the one you're most familiar with. The Providence Compact that said, we will come under these laws in civil matters, and uh, they brought that separation. The Portsmouth Compact, which guaranteed religious liberty, and then the Rhode Island Constitution. Those four are key documents that were really established by people that believe the same way you and I believe. In contrast to the Anglican Church, the Reformed Church, the Puritans, and even to a large degree to the Pilgrims. Now, let me just, just bring it full circle. In Christianity today... There is a great affinity for uh, Puritan authors. They almost, um, almost a worship of them in, in certain circles. And you're seeing a, a rapid increase of, of people that are casting off... Um, what they believe to embrace a reformed Calvinist theology. And the old statement, if you don't know history, you're bound to repeat it. And many of them have no idea that who they're, the teachings that they're following 
were instrumental in persecuting, severely persecuting, individuals that believe like we do today. And were it not for individuals that believe like this, America would not be a land of religious liberty. It would have been um, definitely... um, A state-run state church. And there are many, many examples of it. But one example that I want to call your attention to, it's a a fascinating testimony. A man by the name of Obadiah Holmes. Uh, He grew up in England. And in England, they would go from one king that was a mild Puritan to then the crown would switch to one that was a a strong, rigid Anglican, but all the way through they had the same um, desire to persecute people that really were committed to the Word of God. So he grew up in that. We mentioned Bishop Loud that was uh, brought up to be um, the Archbishop of Canterbury and promoted uh, severe persecution that sent the pilgrims to Holland and eventually here. But um, Obadiah Holmes grew up under all that, and um, he ended up fleeing that, and he came to, um, came to the New World and got involved in a battle between John Cotton and Roger William over a book that John Cotton wrote and a pamphlet arguing against liberty, any liberty, that there should not be the liberty of conscience. Williams and Cotton were in this, uh, this battle. Well, Obadiah Holmes, from his study of Scripture, said there really needs to be this liberty. And he ended up starting a separate church, um, promoting that liberty in, in the same community as John Cotton. And um, Obadiah Holmes was um, exposed to some of the teachings of um, uh, people that had been influenced by Roger Williams. And Dr. John Clark was one of the first people to have revival meetings in the New World. And at one of the revival meetings, Obadiah Holmes um, made a public statement of faith followed the Lord in the waters of baptism, and um, he was then um, mentored to become a leader, and um, he was working closely with Dr. John Clark, and uh, they saw in him uh, a real character in the sense he had character. And... um, In their Rhode Island Providence, they received a request from an elderly man in Boston that he wanted someone to come talk to them, him, about how he could know God. John Clark and Obadiah Holmes realized that if we go to Boston, we run the risk of of being arrested. Not only that, it was a costly trip, monetarily. 
But Dr. John Clark, Obadiah Holmes, and a man by the name of John Crandall said, no, we believe this is what God wants us to do. They went to Boston. They arrived at this man's home and enjoyed fellowship with him that Saturday night, sharing Christ. They decided to stay over for the Lord's Day. They had a service there in his home. And uh, shortly thereafter, officers came and arrested the three missionaries. Clark, Holmes, and Crandall were escorted on that Sunday to the Congregational Church where they saw the end of the service. Then they were sent to jail. Um, After weeks of imprisonment, they were transferred to the Boston court. Clark was fined 20 pounds and was to be well whipped. Holmes was fined 30 pounds and was to be well whipped. And Crandall was fined 5 pounds and was to be well whipped. I have no idea why. Well, Holmes, uh, I mean, uh, Dr. Clark wanted a chance to defend the Bible and its principles before court. He never got the opportunity. Someone paid his fine and he was released. Uh, Crandall, someone paid his fine and was released. I don't know if Obadiah Holmes didn't have any friends or they were poor friends. But um, Obadiah Holmes uh, was in prison. And um, the day of the execution of his sentence, the day that he was to be whipped, literally whipped, a larger than normal crowd came out because... This was a form of entertainment. This was a a happening. And uh, he was to receive 30 lashings, uh, 10 less than the death penalty of 40. And um, in an account that, that was written by John Clark, or that was written to John Clark by Obadiah Holmes, that I think is just fascinating... Um, Let me just read some of this. Obadiah Holmes said, I desired to speak a few words, but Mr. Noel answered, It is not now time to speak. Whereon I took leave and said, Men and brethren, fathers and countrymen, I beseech you to give me leave to speak a few words, and rather because here are many spectators to see me punished, I am to seal with my own blood, if God gives strength, that which I hold and practice, in reference to the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Mr. Noel answered, Now is not time to dispute. Then I said, I desire to give an account of the faith and order which I hold. And I, this I desired three times. But in comes Mr. Flint and saith to the executioner, Fellow, do thine office. And for this fellow would make a long speech to delude the people. So I, Obadiah Holmes said, being resolved to speak, told the people that which I am to suffer is for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. No, said Mr. Newell, it is for your heir and going about to seduce the people. To which I replied, not for heir, for in all the time of my imprisonment, wherein I was left alone, My brethren being gone, which are all your ministers, none of them came to convince me of my heir. And when upon the governor's words a motion was made for a public dispute, 
No, no public dispute was held. If it was for my heir, was, why was I not corrected? Mr. Knoll told me it was his fault who went away and would not dispute. But this was the writing and this execution must be carried out. So, um, just skipping over some of them, he goes down then and said, And as the man began to lay the strokes upon my back, I said to the people, Though my flesh should fail and my spirit should fail, yet God would not fail. So it pleased the Lord to come in and to fill my heart and tongue as a vessel full with an audible voice. I break forth, praying the Lord not to lay this sin to their charge, and telling the people that now I found He, meaning the Lord, did not fail me. And therefore now I should trust Him forever who failed me not. For in a truth, as the strokes fell upon me, I had such a spiritual manifestation of God's presence as I had never had before. And the outward pain was so removed from me that I could well bear it, yea, and in a manner felt it not, although it was grievous. As the spectator said, the man striking with all his strength, splitting in, spitting in his hands three times with the corded, three-corded whip, giving me therewith thirty strokes. And when he had loosed me from the post, having joyfulness in my heart and cheerfulness in my countenance, as the spectators observed, I told the magistrates, You have stricken me with roses. And said, Moreover, although the Lord made it easy to me, Yet I pray, God, it may not be laid to their charge. He was sentenced to these 30 lashes, the same punishment for adultery, rape, and counterfeiting, purely because of what he believed. And um, as it goes on, several people came to know Christ as their personal Savior as a result of Obadiah Holmes' testimony. Um, John Spur later, later testified, I, being present at the public whipping of Obadiah Holmes, took note of the impression on my spirit to trust in God and to walk according to the light that God had, had communicated to me and not to fear what man could do. John Hazel um, never made it back to... Um, to Newport, um, having died from complications of imprisonment that he had, but he was one that came to know Christ as a result of, of seeing Obadiah Holmes. And um, there were a number of things that stood out to me. Jesus said, Fear not what man can do unto you. Secondly, my grace is sufficient for you. Thirdly, the commitment of Obadiah Holmes to truth. He said, no, this isn't a matter of error. This is a matter of the Word of God. And the character to stand with the Word of God. Um, it is also thought that Henry Dunster, who was the first president of Harvard, and incidentally, Harvard was a college established to train preachers of the Word of God, 
many of the colleges were. But um, he came under the influence of Obadiah Holmes, and as a result of his public beating and attempted murder, um, Dunster um, came to faith in Christ. And when he was president of Harvard, he refused to have his infant child baptized. And as a result, he was forced to resign his presidency of Harvard. And um, all that happened in, 16, in the mid-1600s. You see, thank God, and this is a fitting time, this Memorial Weekend, thank God that there have been people committed to truth and willing to stand for truth. Now, uh, you know, um, there are issues that are uncompromising. There are other rights that we have that aren't eternal issues. And it's important that we learn to discern what is an eternal issue and what isn't. Um, just to give you food for thought, is the right to bear arms an eternal issue? It is to we as Americans, we think. But is that a God-given matter that, um, that you can't follow God unless you bear arms? You know, think about it. I, I didn't realize until going through some of this, some of the things that we fear, humanly speaking, have already taken place in our nation's history. And through it, there have been people committed to the word of truth. Let alone in our nation's history, throughout world history. And uh, sometimes it's easy for us as Americans to get an arrogant, elevated attitude that we're American. God shed His grace on us. Well, indeed, God has shed His grace on us, but there are a lot of skeletons in the closet of things that God was weeping about. But there has always been a remnant of believers that are committed, you know, for every Obadiah Holmes, there's others that didn't survive the test, the torture of faith, but they died as martyrs for Christ. But to understand the application to us, we need to know the truth. We need to have a commitment to truth because it's truth, not because it's the law. Not because public opinion. I really believe in evangelical circles we're barking up the wrong tree when we use an argument. The majority of Iowans are against gay marriage. Okay, what happens if the majority is for it? 
it's not wrong because the majority of Iowans think it's wrong. It's wrong because of truth. And, and we love to, to bring out on all these issues. You know, even in our nation, majority of people are against this or for this. It's not right or wrong because of a majority. Is it right or wrong because it's truth? And, and I really believe we're being duped into it. And you want to know the truth? I'd hate to see a lot of these issues put to the test of people voting. But the reality is, it's right or wrong whether anyone stands with you on it. I'm, I'm not just talking abortion or gay marriage. I'm, these were fundamental issues. Being born again. That, no, infant baptism doesn't save. And I'm not going to baptize my son or daughter. Well, think of it. President of Harvard. Well, I guess it probably won't matter much. Go ahead and baptize her. No, he lost his presidency. He lost his... Why? Because I'm going to answer to God someday for what I believe, and I don't have the prerogative to say, well, that isn't important, and that isn't important. God tells us what is important. And that's why we have to be students of this book. And that's why you're going to have to... There may come days... That you're not going to have any other believer there. Obadiah Holmes. Notice, I don't understand. It had been a lot better if there was the old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story, you know. Clark, Crandall, and Holmes. We could be telling that in Bible school now, you know. But, but no, it was only Obadiah. And there may be days that it's only you. And there may be days you go to work and it's only you. But if God be for us, who can be against us? Marvin. You know, we know this, that in the last days, men will not endure sound doctrine and will gather to teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. And um, it... It is, we're living in those days. And um, the real test is, do I want sound doctrine that every one of us need to ask ourselves? Do I really want the truth? Anybody else? Question? Comment? The famous people of history aren't always the ones that um, God really thinks are famous. And that's what's going to be the neat thing about heaven is hearing, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, right? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for men and women of character that You have raised up through the ages to bring us to this point. Lord, thank You for the the individuals you've used in each life represented here to bring us to the point of salvation, 
to bring us to instruction in the ways of you. And Lord, now as we are the ones carrying the ball, so to speak, I pray that we would run the race faithfully for your honor and glory. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.